the Republicans want to be your daddy and the Democrats want to be your mommy and the Libertarians just want you to, to be your own person. They want you to grow up. They want to stop treating you like a child and start treating you like a political adult. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Welcome on back, friends, to the Lions of Liberty podcast. This is episode 125. You can find today's show notes over at lionsofliberty.com slash 125. Today's show is sponsored by Health Excellence Select. If you are sick and tired of dealing with your Obamacare insurance, you need to look into Health Excellence Select and the amazing concept of health sharing. For more information, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. We are also sponsored today by LibertyManiacs.com, your one-stop shop for political and satirical apparel and merchandise. As a listener of this program, you can receive a 10% discount on your entire order by using discount code LIONSOFLIBERTY at checkout. So head on over to LibertyManiacs.com and express your inner Liberty Maniac. My guest today has been an active member of the Libertarian Party. Since 1999, he has served as chair of the Libertarian Party of Maryland, as well as the vice chair of the Libertarian Party of Colorado, where he played a key role in the passage of the 2012 Marijuana Legalization Bill. He is currently the chair of the Libertarian National Committee. Nicholas Sirwark, welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, Nicholas. It's good to have you here. And, you know, I always like to get to know my guests before we really get into, uh, you know, some of the liberty nitty gritty. So why don't we start off by you just telling us how you first caught this liberty bug? How did you first get interested in the ideas of liberty? Well, I'm actually one of a growing number of second generation libertarians. My father took me to Maricopa County meetings in Phoenix back when I was 10, 11 years old. And he had a copy of David Berglund's book on his bookshelf. And so politically, I've never been anything other than a libertarian. Um, I've never voted for anyone other than a libertarian. I've never registered as anything other than a libertarian. Being a libertarian is kind of in my blood. And I'm hopeful that, you know, as more libertarians have more kids, that there are more people who are in that position where they've never been a Republican or a Democrat. They've never had to settle for less than all of your freedoms all the time and that this movement keeps growing. So that's really interesting because I don't run across many people that grew up as libertarians. It's actually a very rare thing to hear. I mean, I, I myself grew up in, I guess, what you would call a, a Republican, you know, quote-unquote small government type household. But I think a lot of the people I talked to that grew up in a similar situation, either whether it's Republican or Democrat, we all went through that time of confusion where we realized that our ideas are different than what we're hearing from our parents or from the mainstream. But it sounds like you never really had to go through that. You kind of had a, sort of the libertarian bloodline from the beginning. So did you ever go through a period where you're sort of questioning, you know, maybe your parents' libertarian beliefs or anything like that, or you pretty much understood it from, from the get-go? Uh, pretty much from the get-go. It, it made sense to me, this idea that, you know, as long as you don't hurt anybody and you don't take their stuff, that you should have the right to live your life the way that you want. And that made sense to me, and everything else didn't make sense. You know, everything else in contrast, the idea that there's some amount of your life that the government should have control over, that's the part that seemed you know, off to me. So it's it's been good as far as that clarity of thought and the ability to convey the message of libertarianism. Having that deep understanding of it personally helps me be a little more clear and a little more articulate about it, I think. 
So why don't you tell us a little bit more about what kind of led you on the path to where you are today, being the chair of the Libertarian National Committee. How did that sort of all play out for you? And you're, you're sort of, I know you've been involved in the, in the party for some time. Yeah, I've been pretty much active as a party activist and, you know, in various state and, and national party roles since, you know, pretty much on my entire adult life. I had avoided the National Committee for a long time because it, you know, to be frank, it was somewhat dysfunctional through the 2000s as far as they didn't really do a lot. They had meetings and they argued amongst themselves, but not a lot seemed to come out of there. And I think the catalyst was in 2012 in Las Vegas at our national convention, two people were running for chair. The existing chair was running for re-election and his vice chair was running to be chair. And I gave a speech on the convention floor for none of the above. In the Libertarian Party, in every election, none of the above is always an option on the ballot. You can say, we don't want any of these people to be our next chair, or our presidential nominee, or anything like that. And if none of the above wins, then you get new candidates. It's an amazing concept. It should be applied much more broadly than it is. Absolutely. But it's always there inside the Libertarian Party. And after that speech, and after many rounds of balloting, none of the above won for the first time, as far as I know, in Libertarian Party history. And Jeff Neal emerged as a, a new nominee after none of the above won, and he became chair. And that was sort of a, a turning point for the National Committee, as far as you know, the delegates just saying, we want something different. We want something different from what we've always had. And then leading up to the National Convention in Columbus, I just saw that the National Party was maybe not going in a direction that I liked. And I realized that it wasn't enough just to stop somebody who shouldn't be chair from being chair. It was time to put forward you know, a positive alternative and have somebody I thought should be chair be chair. And so I stepped up to run. So what is that positive alternative then that, that you're providing? What were the problems that you saw with, I guess, the people that were being put up there before and their vision as opposed to what your positive vision of where the Libertarian Party should go and how it should sort of proceed, whether strategically, electorally, or, or what have you? So what's the key differences there that you were presenting? First of all, we haven't had a lawyer as a chairman since, I think, the early to mid-80s, um, which is not to say anything great about lawyers, but... A lot of our chairmen have not been overly good with media, with doing interviews, with giving speeches, with going out there and presenting the libertarian message in as palatable and dynamic a way as possible. And having had five years of experience as a public defender and doing multiple jury trials, I felt like that was a skill that I brought to the table as a way to go out there and, and actually speak to our ideas and, you know, turn people on to them rather than getting, you know, bogged down in the minutia. The other thing is libertarianism is popular right now. It's, it's something that we get more votes and we get more interest in libertarian ideas, and it's not translating into libertarian party membership. And frankly, it's still not translating into libertarian party membership. But I felt like somebody needs to be at the helm who's, who's interested in trying to do that conversion to try and get people who believe that the old parties have let them down, that they don't want to be Republicans or Democrats anymore, that this isn't good enough for you to make me decide between whether or not 
you know, my gay friend should be able to marry or whether or not they should be able to defend themselves with a handgun. Those are both things that they should be able to do. We need to bring those people in, and that's what I'm hoping to do and trying to do. Uh, and that's that's the vision that I'm trying to to move forward. The other thing that's you know kind of inside baseball with the Libertarian Party is for a long time there was sort of a, a disconnect between the national party and the state parties, and there was almost antagonism where you know the national party would say, "Give your money to us, give your time and your energy to us." as opposed to the state party. And the state party would say exactly the same thing. Keep all your money and your time and your energy in your state party. Don't give it to national. Don't send it to, to Washington, D.C. That doesn't make any sense. And I don't think that it's an either-or question. I think that you should be active and supportive, both with your time and your money, of the state party in the state that you're in, as well as the national party. I think that that rising tide can lift all boats, and we need to start looking for ways that we can cooperate you know, in ways the national party can help the state parties build up. And that's something that I want to do to try and, you know, heal some of those rifts that have existed in the past. And Nicholas, you know, there was a, a report that came out earlier this year from Nate Silver over at 538, where he said that, you know, many Americans don't necessarily identify as libertarians, but on a large scale, many Americans do hold libertarian views. And we can see that with sort of the broad-based support for the recent Supreme Court gay marriage ruling, as, as you referenced. And it, really, in reality, the libertarians, including the Libertarian Party, are, are well ahead of the curve on these things. I mean, libertarians had, you know, took the gay marriage issue you know, 30, 40 years before this, this came up. And in the meantime, you had guys like Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton taking, you know, swapping their beliefs back and forth based on the whims of the day. Whereas if you want to look at the libertarians, that's where you could actually find the, the consistent position over time. But it still seems that in terms of our electoral system, I mean, the biggest objection I hear about joining or participating in the libertarian party is, ah, oh, well, those guys never win elections. Oh, those guys aren't serious. So, so what's your plan to really change that perception and actually turn the libertarian party into an effective political force that people actually take seriously and say, you know what, I am going to find finally reject this this sort of left-right, Democrat-Republican paradigm and say, it's time to support a third party that can actually make something happen and get things done here. You know, one of the things we need to do is, is show people what choices they're making. Because a lot of people tell me, you know, I don't want to vote for a candidate who can't win, and that's why I won't vote for a libertarian. And I'll agree to a point. You should vote for the candidate who can win. If you have a good bookie and you've got money on that election, you should definitely vote for the winner because it'll pay off. But what have you won voting for a Republican or a Democrat? What have you won when, you know, a Barack Obama beats a Mitt Romney? What do you get out of it? You know, the Republicans just had a wave election where they took over Congress and the very first bill that they passed fully funded Obamacare. That's what you won by picking a winner. When you participate in their game of picking between bad and really bad and coming up with all these excuses for why one of these candidates is worse than the other, then you're, you're, you're facilitating that system. You're helping them continue to run your life. And the choice is not between left and right. The choice is not between Republican and Democrat. The choice is between a political party that wants to have the government have control over your life and a political party that wants you to have control over your life. The Libertarian Party wants you to have control over your life. And there are two branches of a political party that wants to have control over your life, wants the government to control your life. They're called the Republicans and the Democrats, and whichever one you vote for, whichever one wins, 
they're going to have more government control over your life. And they may bicker over which part of your life is more important to have control over than less important. But if you want freedom, if you want to send a clear message that says, do not control my life anymore. Do not spend any more money for my children and my grandchildren that we don't have. Do not send bombs overseas to blow people up. Do not get in my bedroom. Do not get in my wallet and do not touch my guns. If you want to send that message, voting for a Libertarian Party candidate is the only way that you can clearly send that message. That's it. Is there a specific issue that you see resonating with the American people that, you know, perhaps for people that aren't familiar with libertarian philosophy or even had never considered supporting the Libertarian Party before? Do you think there's any one issue out there that you guys can boldly say, look, we are the only ones taking this stance and you need to come over? If you actually feel the same way, you need to come over and join us here. Join us in the Libertarian Party. That's the only way you're going to get someone's on your side on this. Is there an issue that stands out to you? I think right now, at this present day, now that gay marriage is kind of off the table with the Supreme Court ruling, cannabis legalization is the biggest one. It's the biggest thing where the American people and the voters in poll after poll and initiative after initiative say, we don't want to keep locking people up and wasting taxpayer money to throw people in jail for what they put into their own body. And neither old party politician, whether they be Republican or Democrat, are willing to get on board with where the American people are, which is leave people alone. It's not your business. Um, that's the biggest issue where you don't have an alternative in the old parties. Let's look at sort of the uh, the prospect going forward here. Obviously, election season is really picking up. You're seeing you know, a myriad of almost a clown car of Republican candidates rolling out here and a couple on the Democrat side have announced as well. So what can we see in store for the Libertarian Party in 2016? Obviously, you guys are going to field a national candidate, as, as you guys always do. Well, why don't we at least start there, then? Who do you see as the kind of lead contenders for the Libertarian Party nominee for president? I know Gary Johnson has mentioned he plans to run again. I've heard rumors of people like Drew Carey and even Jesse Ventura putting feelers out there saying they might be interested in running as Libertarians. So obviously, I don't expect you to endorse anybody here or anything, but, but how do you see this field playing out? Well, I think... You know, I've heard rumors that that Mr. Johnson will probably seek the nomination again. He hasn't officially announced yet. Um, Dr. Mark Allen Feldman from Ohio, uh, an, an anesthesiologist and fellow member of the Libertarian National Committee, he's announced that he's seeking the nomination. A uh, businessman named Steve Kerbell from Colorado, um, he's announced that he's seeking the nomination. He's started going around to state conventions to try and drum up support. I've heard the rumors about Jesse Ventura. I've seen, you know, things here and there about other candidates who I haven't seen actually going around to state conventions or doing a lot of campaigning. You know, every time there's a there's a presidential nomination, a lot of people put their hat in the ring and not all of them are, you know, willing to kind of follow through. I think you see that within the old parties right now, you know, of however many people have crawled out of that Republican clown car. I don't think a lot of them are going to make it all the way to the convention. Uh, I think a lot of them are just doing it to try and, you know, sell something or sell their speaking fees or, you know, just because they think it would be fun. Um, and it's really, you know, it goes to show that when you look at these libertarian candidates who are seeking our nomination, they're talking about real issues, about what they want to do to make the American people more free. And if you look at the people seeking the Republican nomination, they're tripping all over themselves to talk about, you know, what sort of rights they should take away and how they should dismantle the Supreme Court because they ruled in a way that they don't like. 
And it's just, you know, it shows who's the real serious political party here. And it's not the Democrats or the Republicans. What do you think the most important quality is that a national representative, someone running for president under that Libertarian Party banner can have? Obviously, name recognition is pretty cool. It might bring attention if you had like a Jesse Ventura or Drew Carey, but that's only one facet of things. Obviously, their their actual beliefs is going to be very important. I don't know if political experience is something you guys might factor in, but if you could just craft the sort of perfect Libertarian Party candidate, what are the traits that you would look for in that person? To me, what I would prefer to see in a Libertarian Party candidate is somebody who can go out there and clearly articulate to the American people what it is the Libertarian Party offers that the old parties do not and cannot and never will offer. You know, the fact that we're not beholden to special interests, the fact that our goal is to give you more control over your life, which is just the opposite goal of all the old political parties. Their goal is to have more power over your life. Their goal is to take tax money from you and give you back a percentage of it and then give the rest to their corporate cronies. That's their goal. It's an opposite goal that we have. And I think somebody who can be articulate and really fire people up about that message that, you know what, the Republicans want to be your daddy and the Democrats want to be your mommy and the Libertarians just want you to to be your own person. They want you to grow up. They want to stop treating you like a child and start treating you like a political adult. And if you're ready to grow up and if you're ready to go out there and run your own life, because you probably know how to do it better than any politician in Washington or your state capital does, that it's time to vote for something different. It's time to vote for what you want, because you may vote for what you want and not get it. But I assure you, if you vote for what you don't want, if you vote for the lesser of two evils, the very best case scenario that you get is you get what you voted for. You get evil. You're going to get evil almost every time you vote for the Republicans or Democrats. I think uh, history, both uh, in the past and modern history, has, has pretty much been proving that out time and time again. Now, I mean, despite the fact that you guys are out there as, as the clear sort of voice for libertarians, you know, it's, it's no secret here that there's this guy named Rand Paul who is the, the sort of the number one pick for many out there who are libertarian-minded people. He's also the subject of a lot of criticism as well from, from libertarians. So what is your take on the candidacy of Rand Paul? Obviously, you're going to support the libertarian candidates over him, but, I mean, do you see that Rand really taking much of the libertarian party vote away into sort of his camp and into this sort of Republican-slash-libertarian idea that, that seems to be a strategic goal, I guess? Or do you really see in him as sort of just, I don't know, maybe just another run-of-the-mill Republican that happens to take a few libertarian positions? The way I look at Rand Paul is that Rand Paul is probably the best that the Republican Party has to offer. He's the best the Republican candidates. He's the best of the people who have crawled out of that clown car. And he does have some positions that are close to libertarian positions on some issues. You know, the way I look at Rand Paul is Rand Paul is like a gateway drug. If he talks about reforming federal sentencing laws so that people who are convicted of not victimless drug crimes do, you know, 10 years in prison instead of 20 years in prison, then maybe that opens a conversation and starts people thinking about, hey, let's just stop the war on drugs overall. Let's just let people put things into their own bodies and live their own lives. Let's stop locking up an entire generation of young African-American men, disassociating them from their communities, taking them away from their children over, you know, something that doesn't hurt anybody else. So if people come to libertarian ideas because Rand Paul has taken some position that gets closer to that direction, 
we see that as an opportunity to show them what real libertarianism looks like. You know, if you want to settle for the best that the Republican Party has to offer, Rand Paul's probably it. If you don't want to settle, if you actually want all of your freedoms all of the time, if you want actual legitimate freedom in the United States, then you need to vote libertarian or you'll keep getting what you've always gotten. How do you see us getting sort of this this libertarian voice out there more in this actual mainstream political debate? Because as you said, Rand Paul is kind of the best of, of what we have in terms of that, that Republican Party anyway. But you know, at the end of the day, we're not going to see most likely a Gary Johnson st- or whoever may represent the Libertarian Party standing on that same stage next to the Jebs or the Hillarys or whoever seems gets through this process. And uh, hopefully we can change that. I'm sure you're aware of the various movements that are calling for open debates and trying to get at least third party debates. I mean, we had the third party debate with Larry King, you know, back in 2012, which is a great thing. But at the end of the day, that was still online. It probably wasn't something seen by most Americans, but most politically engaged Americans. So do you just have any thoughts on how we can sort of get this this voice, wedge it in between this this sort of left right conversation that seems to still dominate the mainstream media today? Absolutely. We're fighting that fight on every front. We're participants and supporters of free and equal who sponsored those third-party debates, and our candidate will likely participate if those debates occur again. We are plaintiffs in a lawsuit that was filed a couple weeks ago by an organization called Level the Playing Field to try and force the Commission on Presidential Debates and the Federal Election Commission to acknowledge that that entire debate structure is really just uh, an illegal campaign contribution to the Republicans and the Democrats. That was a suit that was filed Um, in federal, I believe it's federal district court in the District of Columbia, we will be plaintiffs with another suit that's soon to be filed by our America initiative to attack the very existence of the Commission on Presidential Debates as a violation of antitrust law. We continue to sue on behalf of our candidates any time that a public television station or an organization that uses public money cheats to try and keep our candidates out of the debate. And we're going to keep fighting every single time that they cheat because regardless of whether you agree with the libertarians or not, it's unfair and it's un-American to try and cheat to keep ideas off of that debate stage. And that's what the Republicans and Democrats do. That's what they do to try and keep us off the ballot. That's what they do to try and keep us out of the debates. And it's our duty to the American people to make sure that when people wake up, that when people understand that the libertarian option is the option that they want, that we're on their ballot, that we're out in front, that we're showing them that we're standing up for them, we're standing up for their freedoms, and that they're able to vote for us and able to see us in those debates, probably kicking old party butt. (laughs) Yeah, I I love how you mentioned that the way these debates are run as, as essentially a contribution to the Republican and Democrat parties, because you'll get a lot of people out there kind of shrugging their shoulders and saying, well, yeah, I mean, it's true. It's kind of BS that they keep the libertarians out or they kind of keep certain candidates out. I mean, they gave Ron Paul 90 seconds in the one debate even. But people will say, oh, well, you know, it's it's their private company. It's, a, it's their private party on that debate stage. It's their, you know, what are we going to do? But that's kind of a really a, a silly way to look at it to me because, I mean, we, yeah, we want to talk about property rights and principles as libertarians, but it's really a stretch to sort of call the president, the uh, Commission on Presidential Debates as some, you know, some just free-floating private entity that has has no stake in our political process or anything like that. There, there clearly are a subsidy to these major 
major parties, just like we subsidize their conventions where the libertarians don't get any, any sort of subsidy. Uh, really, there, there's so many myriad of ways that the government essentially does subsidize the Democrat and Republican parties, if you can even still look at them as two different parties at, at this stage. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up. And um, like I said, I don't think we have any any chance to even make any traction on a lot of these things until we can really, like you said, level this playing field and, and have some sort of fair process of getting you know some other ideas and some other names on these debate stages. And that kind of brings up another idea to me where I you know I hear a lot of this attitude um, in libertarianism, and I'm sure it's an attitude you're obviously opposed to, but what would you say to libertarians out there who foster this idea of retracting from politics altogether? Because they'll say, look, hey, there's nothing we can do. This left-right system is so entrenched. There's such a crony established system here that there's no way we can even penetrate it. I mean, I know people that went through the process trying to um, work for Ron Paul through the different campaigns in, in 2012 and 2008, and they just saw it as, this, at the end of the day, this heartbreaking, harrowing experience that really produced no, no positive results at the end of the day. And at the same time, you have other people that just say, you know, and for that reason, libertarians should just reject politics altogether. They should just turn their nose at it. And even they'll say the Libertarian Party, I mean, look, they only get whatever percentage of the vote. There's just no point in participating in this. And they'll tell libertarians to just walk off into the sunset, turn your back to the state, and just wait for it to go away. So what do you see as the problem with that attitude? The state's not going away. There are people who want to control your life, and they're not going to quit because that's what they live for. Here's what I tell all the principled non-voters, all my anarchist friends, all my anarcho-capitalist and voluntarist friends. There is no difference from the view of the politician, the old party politician, between your principled anarchist not going to vote and a dude who was just too lazy and wanted to play Xbox and sat on his couch. There is no signal sent. There is no message received. They don't care why it is you stay home and don't participate in elections. There was a gubernatorial candidate in Maryland back in 02 who used to say, a lot of politicians are dumb, but all of them can count. They all know how many votes they got. They all know how many votes that their opponent got. And they all know how many votes the libertarian got. So if you want to send a clear message that I do not consent to having more government authority over my life. I do not want you to spend any more of my taxpayer dollars on stupid corporate cronyism. I do not want to send any more of my friends or relatives overseas to die in wars of foreign adventurism. I do not want you to run my life. I want to run my own life. Voting for a Libertarian Party candidate is the only way to send a clear and unmistakable message. It's the only message that gets through and that they understand. You have to take their votes away. The way I look at it is the National Football League doesn't care whether or not you're a rabid Pittsburgh Steelers fan or a rabid Denver Broncos fan. They want you to fight over that. But what they do care about and what frightens them more than anything else is that you're going to stop watching football because you're just kind of done with it. That's what the Republicans and Democrats are all about. They don't care who gets to be Speaker of the House, who gets to be President as long as it's one of them. Voting for a libertarian is like switching sports. You're not voting for a different team. You're deciding, you know what? I'm done with this kabuki theater of pretend politics. I'm done voting for which team is the worst, you know, or which team is the better of the bad ones. I'm done. I'm just done with it. I'm voting for freedom. And I'm only voting for freedom. And you're not going to trick me into voting for who's going to control my life again. So if you really care and you want to send a message, 
then take the five minutes to go down and vote. And that sends a clear message. And if you want to live the rest of your life, you know, as a voluntarist and kind of get out of the system. And as Harry Brown said, find freedom in an unfree world. That's fine. But recognize if you aren't willing to take that stand, they don't know why you're mad. If you really want to send a message, the only way to send that message is to vote libertarian. Well, there you go, folks. That sounds like a good pitch as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's it's basically the difference of instead of picking a team to root for in the Super Bowl, you're saying, no, I, I don't want the Super Bowl. I want, I want the World Series. I want something else on TV altogether here. And I, I want to take a whole new direction with this. And that's what the Libertarian Party is out there presenting to people, an actual different direction, an actual change from what we're actually seeing out there, from this left-right, Democrat-Republican, tired, tired paradigm that is just it. It needs to go away as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Nicholas, thank you so much for coming on the show today and expressing your views about the uh, Libertarian Party. I really do appreciate it. And I'll give you the last word before you go. Any final thoughts you might have? And also, you know, feel free to toss out any ways people are, can contact you or get involved with the Libertarian Party. Absolutely. Um, you know, what I want people to remember is our message is simple. We support all of your freedoms all of the time. The Libertarian Party is founded on the ideal that you have a right to pursue happiness in any way you want as long as you don't hurt anyone and you don't take their stuff. And that is the sort of fundamental way to live that we learned in kindergarten as children and somehow we've lost as adults. And I think when it's presented to people in that way, people understand that libertarianism is the most humane and best way to live your life. If people are interested in becoming more involved in the Libertarian Party, visit lp.org, join, become a member, watch our stuff on YouTube, get involved in your state and local parties, do something to fight for your freedom because, you know, I'm committed as national chair in spite of having a business to run and three small children at home that I'm willing to fight for your freedom. So just join me, become a libertarian and help fight for the freedom for your fellow citizens. And thank you so much for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much, Nicholas. I really do appreciate it. Once again, Nicholas Sirwark, chair of the Libertarian National Committee. Thank you once again for coming on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Thanks, Mark. Have a great day. Take care, Nick. Guys, if you're anything like me and like to wear your political beliefs on your sleeve, Liberty Maniacs is there to help you literally do just that. Liberty Maniacs is an independent brand that designs and sells some of the world's favorite political and satirical apparel and merchandise. From funny political t-shirts to libertarian-minded posters, art prints, humorous mugs, and thousands of other products sold by some of the most trusted retailers, Liberty Maniacs has become a top source for liberty lovers of every stripe all across the globe and a thorn in the side of everyone from the NSA to top politicians. And now, Lions of Liberty listeners can get 10% off your entire order by entering the referral code Lions of Liberty. That's all one word at checkout. Again, that's referral code Lions of Liberty for a 10% discount. Head to LibertyManiacs.com. Wear something worth saying. I know nobody likes dealing with health insurance companies. It's bad enough that you're sick, but now, thanks to the ACA, you're forced to pay for all sorts of coverage you don't even want or need, and the odds are you are indeed paying for it. I was frustrated, too, until I did some research and found out about health sharing, where like-minded, health-conscious individuals get together to cover each other's medical costs. And now the fine folks at Health Excellence Select have taken it to another level with a complete healthcare service, combining health sharing with personal care assistance to help you find the doctors that you need at the best price, 24-7 phone access to physicians, 
along with discounts on dental and vision. And if that wasn't enough, they even have a website that works, if you can believe that. Guys, if you are struggling with a solution to your health care needs, look no further than Health Excellence Select. For more information, head on over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. All right, friends, I hope you enjoyed my talk there with Mr. Nicholas Sirwark. It was great to speak with someone who's active in the Libertarian Party because it's kind of funny, I guess, in a way. Probably not funny to Nicholas, but it does seem... That the Libertarian Party seems to get sidelined so much in this conversation when we're talking about Libertarian political action. It all seems to focus on, and we're probably guilty of this too, maybe because nobody's really announced officially for the Libertarian Party yet, but hey, we're doing our presidential profiles. You can find them all at lionsofliberty.com slash election 2016. And yeah, we're looking at Hillary. We're looking at Bernie Sanders. We're looking at, of course, Rand Paul eventually. We looked at Marco Rubio, Ben Carson. You know, we're looking at all these guys. But we will certainly be looking at the Libertarian candidates as they announce as well. The Libertarian Party does things a little different. They don't have a national primary or state primaries or and that kind of thing to determine their candidates. They simply hold a convention with their party and they elect their representative to spread the message of liberty, to represent libertarianism politically to the world or to the United States, I guess. Maybe to the world as well. And frankly, in many ways, that system makes a lot more sense to me than, than putting it up to just the votes of the whims of the majority to decide on a candidate for a political party. You know, for a private political party. And, you know, I, I talked to Chad Peace a few weeks ago. Of course, you can find all our episodes at lionsofliberty.com slash podcast. And, you know, he's really in there trying to break the relationship between the federal government and the state governments and the private parties, the big corporate parties like the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. But if we're going to have political parties, and frankly, I'd rather just as well do away with them. But if we're going to have political parties, it's a good thing to have a political party out there whose banner, whose overriding message is liberty, is individual liberty. And for some reason, I mean, I know the reason. It's because the system is so rigged for the Democrats and Republicans, the two wings of the one major party, that it's easy to sideline small parties like the Libertarians, like the Green Party, like the Constitution Party. These guys get sidelined all the time because they have to spend all their time and money just kind of getting their names out there, getting ballot access. I mean, that's insane amount of time and man hours that has to go into this. They need that party structure to even do that because if you want to run as an entirely independent candidate, you better be a billionaire. I mean, honestly, there's no other way to do it. If you're not a billionaire, you need to be in a political party and that system needs to change. Desperately needs to change. But the Libertarian Party should not be discounted. In fact, there's a very good chance I myself will walk to a poll and vote for whoever the Libertarian candidate is in 2016. A pretty good chance. In fact, I haven't voted for a non-Libertarian presidential candidate since 2004. I did vote for Ron Paul in a primary election, but I'm, I'm talking about the actual, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, vote. Because I'll tell you what, don't vote for the lesser of two evils, guys. Don't do it. Just stop. Just stop. If the Republicans put up Marco Rubio and you think he's terrible, but you think he's maybe a little bit better than Hillary Clinton, don't vote for either of them. Please, please. You're perpetuating the system. There's not a better of two evils if one person represents completely opposite of what you believe. Now, I, I don't think everything's black and white. You could argue either way on Rand Paul, to be quite honest. And when we do that every week, Brian McWilliams does it every week at his Rand Paul S's and Minuses column. And we do it about once a month on the Rand Paul S's and Minuses podcast, lionsofliberty.com slash Rand for all that stuff. At least 
if you're not happy with what the parties are putting out there. If nothing else, you can register a vote for liberty by voting for the Libertarian Party. But that's not all. It's not just nominal, you know. If the Libertarian Party gets certain amounts of votes in certain states, it can actually help them in the next election. And so on and so forth. So, you know, we're not going to change the system we hate by just pretending it isn't there. Nicholas had a great statement when he said, guess what? The state isn't going away. And he's right. And people that just reject political action altogether because, you know, they're frustrated by the system or they don't like the two parties. I I don't disagree with you on any of that. But to just turn your back to it just allows that same corrupt system to further perpetuate. And not everything is about this national vote that we focus so much on during this time of the election cycle when the presidential elections are coming up. Nicholas Sawark and the Libertarian Party of Colorado were very much involved in the movement to legalize marijuana in that state. So, you know, the Libertarian Party in certain states gaining more traction, gaining more ground, gaining more popularity, gaining more money can really help them make substantive differences, even if they're not winning a specific election here and there or becoming president or whatever. Hell, man, I hope Gary Johnson can be on a stage with Jeb Bush and Hillary Clinton someday, hopefully in 2016. I don't see it happening, but I hope it does. And it's got a lot more likely chance of happening if we actually throw our support behind people we believe in. For some people, that might be Rand Paul, and that's all well and good. But if it's not, my God, if you're liberty-minded, at least take a look at whoever the Libertarian Party is putting up. Because it seems to me there are many, many very consistent, very principled libertarians residing and doing great work within the Libertarian Party. And frankly, they probably have the ability to shape their party and shape things locally more so than someone that's, you know, going to the GOP and trying to fight for Rand Paul is going to make. And again, I'm not arguing for or against either strategy. Heck, you can do both. You can do neither. But understand the options out there. Understand that there are many methods to achieve greater liberty for people and many methods to educate people. And there's no reason to outwardly reject politics specifically or reject one political party specifically. What we need to reject are bad ideas, are policies and politicians that outwardly project a defiance of individual rights that could care less about individual rights. And yeah, that's most of them. That's almost all of them. At least Rand Paul pays lip service to individual rights. At least the Libertarian Party talks about individual rights. My God, if we want to move the needle, we got to support the people that are at least having these conversations and trying to insert them into the political debate, even if we don't agree with them fully. I don't know if I'll be out campaigning for Rand Paul. I don't know if I'll be out being active in the Libertarian Party. But I certainly encourage people to weigh those options. Me, my path, you're listening to it. (laughs) Podcasting's the way I found to channel my passion. I'm not saying everybody's got to be in the trenches of of political action. But don't discourage people from doing it either. That's just plain silly. Maybe discourage your, your fascist or your hardcore Nazi friends from political action. Discourage them. But don't discourage liberty minded people, folks. That's just foolish. It's counterproductive. It's shooting ourselves in the foot. We don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot. There's nothing fun about that. Guys. I'm going to keep attempting to not shoot myself in the foot here each and every week, twice per week, as a matter of fact, every Monday and Thursday here at lionsofliberty.com, where you can find this show. You can also find us, of course, anywhere you find podcasts, folks, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the whole bag. And of course, you can also hear us 
over on the Liberty Radio Network, LRN.FM, throughout the week, as well as at LibertyTalk.FM, 6 p.m. Eastern, Saturdays and Sundays. Till next time, folks, live long and live free.